the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Common ground for the small business owner and corner office CEO. We are the Biz 1440. KYCR Golden Valley, Minneapolis, St. Paul. With SRN News, I'm Bob Agnew in Washington. Today, President Biden holds the first major political rally of his re-election campaign. And as George Williams reports, it comes amid polls showing the president getting poor marks on the economy. RealClearPolitics.com publishes an online average of political polls. As of Friday, Mr. Biden's approval is only 41 percent, while his disapproval stands at 54.6 percent. On issues of the economy, that gap widens to less than 38 percent approve to nearly 60 percent disapprove. When the topic focuses on inflation, that gap widens even more to only 31% approve and 64.5% disapprove. In drilling down to the question of direction of the country, the president's approval falls to only 23% who believe the country's headed in the right direction and almost 66% who say it's heading in the wrong direction. George Williams reporting. And this is SRN News. Take your investment knowledge to new heights this year on the 2023 Eagle Financial Publications Cruise. Join us along with The Money Show on a luxury voyage to the Caribbean and learn from top financial experts like George Gilder and Mark Skelson through workshops and seminars. Relax and refresh, all while discussing investment strategies with like-minded individuals. Secure your spot today at EagleFinancialCruise.com. That's EagleFinancialCruise.com. Eagle Financial is a division of Salem Media Group. Well, I moved into the house in uh, the summer of 2018, and the siding was terrible. Hi, I'm Dave from Matamidae. I got a hold of JTR through friends. It almost looked like uh, a giraffe. There were dark stains where the water had saturated the old paint that was on it, but there were other things that needed addressing, and uh, there were a multitude of things from putting doors in and railings and, and doing some electrical and things like that, all of which JTR gladly folded into the contract and took care of for me. It was an amazing transformation. In fact, my brother-in-law, who had visited before we had the siding done, when he came back about a month after it had been done, he stopped out in front of the house and called me and said, what's your address again? Because he couldn't believe the difference. Contact JTR Roofing now for your siding, roofing, and window needs. You got a guy who does your heating, a chatty uncle who fixes the sink when it leaks. Why not have one shop do it all? At Air Mechanical, we partner with you with easy online booking, friendly customer service, and the top trained tradespeople in the state of Minnesota. You won't need to find a guy again. Heating, cooling, plumbing, electrical, water quality, drain cleaning, duct cleaning, and more. Schedule by calling or visit thinkami.com. For the life of your home, visit thinkami.com. Portions of this program may have been pre-recorded. The views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Turn all the lights on and kill the noise. 
The Biz 1440 presents the best two hours of economic news and commentary. Let's just say I know a guy who knows a guy who knows another guy. It's the King Banyan Show, your source for penetrating economic insight, razor-sharp analysis, and unflinching universal thought. The process of getting inflation back down to 2% has a long way to go and is likely to be bumpy. Everything you need to maintain clarity and stay ahead of the economic curve. If you're going to fix complicated problems, you have to learn how to fix simple problems first. Now, here's Professor King Banyan. Welcome back, and I'm so glad you played that particular opening because it had the, the Jay Powell clip about inflation has a long way to go and being bumpy, and yet the Fed paused. And the question in the minds of many of us is, did you change your mind, or did you just think you really needed um, to do that? So, um, the poker tell, for me, that they are actually probably, I, I I mentioned this to Spencer in the green room, or the virtual green room, I should say. Um, I mentioned to him that we had, um, we, we, we have a, a working theory that, that perhaps what happened is the, the, the committee really wants to come out and present a unanimous decision. I thought they wouldn't be unanimous this time, but they did. And I said, the only way we'll ever really know what happened in that room is going to be five years from now when they release the transcripts. We get minutes in about four weeks, but it's five years to get transcripts. So we still don't have the transcripts from the 2020 uh, extra meetings that happened. Um, and I'm so looking forward to those, but some of that's in, uh, I may do a book review of, uh, Nick Timoros's, uh, profile of, uh, Jay Powell, his biography, because it's, it's really interesting. Uh, he, he clearly had access, uh, to a lot of things that, uh, folks normally wouldn't have access to and, and, and does a pretty good job reporting it. In fact, I think I've got a, a Timoros, at least an answer to a Timoros question, in these remaining clips from Powell. But the, the tell is actually, and it did, only dawned on me this morning as I was getting prepped and rereading the transcript of the uh, press conference, is, um, is, in this, is in this piece. See if you can tell where, where the tell is. Cut number four, please, Spencer. If the economy evolves as projected, the median participant projects that the appropriate level of the federal funds rate will be 5.6% at the end of this year, 4.6% at the end of 2024, and 3.4% at the end of 2025. For the end of this year, the median projection is a half percentage point higher than in our March projections. I hasten to add, as always, that these projections are not a committee decision or plan. If the economy does not evolve as projected, the path for policy will adjust as appropriate to foster our maximum employment and price stability goals. Now, I had two tells. One, he very seldom emphasizes a word without actually meaning to to get you to pay attention to it. Um, I'm going to have you just play like the first five seconds of that clip again, Spencer, and then stop after you hear the word medium, median participant. Do it again, please. Cut four. If the economy evolves as projected, the median participant projects that the... Right. Do you hear the emphasis on median? 
That's a tell. It means that they were probably, it means, and if you look at the forecast, it looks like they were spread out quite a bit on where their forecasts were. The second tell is this phrase, and again, this is his prepared remarks. This has been typed up for him to read, and it has been vetted by at least staff. I don't think the governors and, and the governors and presidents see what he reads at the press conference before he goes out there, but staff has certainly read this over. Okay, so this is an off-the-cuff. I hasten to add, as always, these projections are not a committee decision or plan. If the economy does not evolve as projected, the path for policy will adjust as appropriate to, pro- to foster our maximum employment and price stability goals. The whole purpose of the statement of economic projections, which was a Bernanke creation. Remember the Brookings, press, the Brookings um, uh, uh, panel discussion that had Powell and Bernanke on the stage together? We played some of that for you a few weeks ago. In which he, which Powell says, you know, hey, yes, forward guidance is great, but understand, sometimes we don't. Forward guidance means we know something other people don't know. I think, you know, on reflection, I think this was Powell's way of trying to tell folks, yep, these are our projections. We've been doing this all the time. We didn't want to shock you by taking them out, but understand, these are just projections. This is the I hasten to add. And saying, hey, we'll adjust. This is definitely, we're definitely doing things meeting by meeting. Indeed, he says in the next sentence, which I had Spencer cut off, we will continue to make our decisions meeting by meeting based on the totality of incoming data, their implications for the outlook, the, the, the stuff he always says. But the previous sentence is usually not there. But he stuck that in in order to say, hey, don't necessarily put a whole lot of weight in our forecast. Because, and going back to what we heard before, because I think they were very much, um, they were very much uh, planning, they were very much in, in disagreement about what the path is over, over the near term. Okay, so, that's, so that was the end of the press conference. And then come the questions, um, uh, uh, come the questions, and the first thing that I you hear to sort of say, okay, hey, things are moving, things are different. Um, he uses language that we haven't heard for a couple of years in terms of a live meeting or not a live meeting, saying he's telling you basically signaling, we plan, right now, based on what we see, we plan to raise at the next meeting. How did he say this? Well, listen, to cut five. And we didn't we didn't make a decision about July. I mean, of course, it, it came up in the in the um, in the meeting from time to time. But really, the focus was, was on what to do today. I would say about about July, two things. One decision hasn't been made Two, it, I, I do expect that it will be a live meeting. Those statements are contradictory. A live meeting says we are open to raising rates. But we haven't made a decision yet. Well, I think you actually you have. Between the, between the statement, the FOMC statement, which talks about additional tightening. Remember, you only have four meetings left. And you said that you're going to raise two more. Currently, your, your median vote on the FOMC is to raise two more times. If you're not raising in the next meeting, then you're probably stuck not raising at all. In your, you know, in your, and your FOMC projections your statement of economic projections 
are garbage. They're not telling us what, what you're actually planning to do. So I don't think that the I don't think anyone should think anything other than the fact that rates are gonna are gonna go up again. And indeed if I look at the if I look at the FOMC, I'll go back and look at the FOMC picture for July. Right now, the July picture is 74% probability that you'll get a rate hike in the next meeting. That's not that's not a lead pipe cinch, but the markets he's clearly signaled, and everyone has understood now that they plan to raise rates next time, which really does beg the question: Why not now? Why why wait until until later? So I need to flip to the next page. Yeah, here we go. Um, why not? Why not now? He says, in essence, they wanted another deceleration of the dial. This is, um, to use math terms, this is a second derivative argument uh, that he's making here, and he loves himself. He loves himself some second derivatives. Um, you need so if you don't do calculus, you don't know what I said. I apologize. I'll, exp- I'll explain it to you after I play this clip. Let's play cut number six. It's reasonable, it's common sense to go a little slower, just as it was reasonable to go from 75 basis points to 50 to 25 at every meeting. And so uh, the committee thought overall that it was appropriate to moderate the pace, if only slightly. And there are benefits to that. So that gives us more information to make decisions. We may... So we wanted, right, they wanted another dial. Look, there is nothing magical about having rate increases be in quarter point, in quarter point steps. You can actually, and you will see other central banks who make raises at, at 10 basis points or 0.1% rather than 0.25 or 25 basis points. There's nothing magical about that. But because they don't want to break the quarter, to to borrow a term, because they don't want to break the quarter, they have to explain that this is a skip and not a pause and go through all of this stuff when what they really could have done, just decided they didn't want to do, was to slow down even further. I mean, there's nothing that said they couldn't have done four one-eighth point increases. They could keep the range at a quarter percent and just slide it up one-eighth each time, but it breaks with tradition. It might surprise people. We'd have to explain that. Why don't you think the markets can understand that? I don't, I don't, I don't quite get it. Um, and, so, and, and then he tries to add one more explanation to the, to the skip here. Let's play cut seven. Well, I think you're adding that to the, to the data that we've seen since the last meeting, too. We, you know, we, since we chose to maintain rates at this meeting, it's, it'll really be a three-month period of data that we can look at. And I think that's a full quarter, and I think you can, you can draw more conclusions from that than you come from any, six, any six-week period. We'll look at those things. We'll also look at the evolving risk picture. We'll look at what's happening in the financial sector. We'll look at all the data, the evolving outlook, and we'll make a decision. And I think this is where the tension really is. The tension is over the implications for the financial for the financial sector and for financial markets. Okay, and I'm going to actually skip ahead uh, and pause doing this because I want to play one other piece for you. 
that came up on Friday. Post the conference, after the FOMC meeting, Governor Christopher Waller, one of the one of the real hawks on the committee, was um, was uh, asked to speak at a conference, uh, an, an IMF uh, monetary policy conference that was in Oslo. It's amazing how many conferences happen in Oslo in in June. Uh, I can't imagine why. Uh, but he flies out to Oslo, and 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 has this to say. Uh, at that meeting, let's play. Let's play cut fourteen. While lending conditions imposed by banks have tightened since March, the changes so far are in line with what banks have been doing since the Fed began raising interest rates more than a year ago. That is, it is still not clear that recent strains in the banking sector materially intensified the tightening of lending conditions. His argument is that financial markets are not putting any extra downward pressure on demand and thereby putting downward pressure on inflation. He doesn't see this yet yet again the Fed the the, the Federal Reserve uh um uh chair Jay Powell says at the end of his comments um we'll we'll look at what's happening in financial sector meaning that I think there are other people on the Fed who are telling them they can't raise rates because they're afraid you're going to break the banks. In this, I understand there's political pressure, but the political pressure I don't think is from trying to support anything to do with the White House. I don't think it has anything to do with the debt limit. What I think it has to the political pressure is inside the, the temple, inside the Federal Reserve. The, the pressure is coming from member banks saying, if you continue to raise rates, we're going to get broken. Wait to hear what Governor Waller had to say about that. But that's a tease, and I need to take a break. I'll come back with, with his answer right after this. You're listening to The King Banyan Show on The Biz 1440. From South St. Paul to Southeast Asia, and Little Canada to regular-sized Canada. We're where you are. Listen to The Biz 1440 anytime, anywhere at odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app. Dennis Prager here. Join us in Israel this fall. Soon time will run out and then you'll regret you didn't go, I promise. Mike Gallagher and I are headed back to Israel in October with our trusted partner, Inspiration Cruises and Tours. Don't miss this incredible opportunity to stand with Israel. That's the name of the tour. We'll be visiting amazing places in the Holy Land designed to encourage and captivate you at every turn. Visit StandWithIsraelTour.com and sign up today. In Israel, we'll explore some of the most fascinating sites from religious and political history. We'll walk on the streets of Jerusalem, sail the Sea of Galilee, float in the Dead Sea. In fact, you could even sit in the Dead Sea with all its healing and rejuvenating effects and visit the Western Wall, a spiritual experience you will always remember deeply, fondly. Our expert guides will help explain the significance of every site, and our food and accommodations are specifically designed with you in mind. No other trip will be like the Stand with Israel tour. Sign up today to travel with Mike Gallagher and me this October. Call 855-565-5519 or just visit StandWithIsraelTour.com. Are you looking for a school that believes in partnering with parents to help students reach their full potential, both academically and spiritually? Are you looking for a school that believes, promotes, and encourages traditional values? 
If so, First Baptist School would be a wonderful fit for your students. First Baptist School has served families for over 52 years by providing a balanced academic program as well as a successful athletic program for students in K-3 through 12th grade. Their mission is to educate, train, and prepare students for a lifetime of service, commitment, obedience, and love towards God and His will while instilling a biblical worldview and a passion to walk with Him. First Baptist School has been voted the top private school in Dakota County by the Reader's Choice and the Sun newspaper the past few years. Please call 651-423-2272 or go to fbsrosemount.org to set up a time to visit First Baptist School in Rosemount. Again, fbsrosemount.org. Honey, we need to fix the basement before we sell. You're right. We either enjoy it now or fix it before we move. I'm tired of water in the basement and that damp, musty smell. Plus, it would be nice to have more light down there. We talked about putting in egress windows. Hey, let's call Standard Water Control Systems. Standard Water is your local basement solution company, specializing in waterproofing and foundation repair, egress windows, and radon mitigation. Visit Standard Water before the leaks happen. That's Standard Water. Hi, everyone. This is Mary Carey from America's number one travel radio show, inviting you to join Robert and me and Rudy each Sunday as we cover the ever-evolving world of travel and explore the world together on RM World Travel. Tune in this Sunday evening at 7. Welcome back, King Banyan Show, the Biz 1440. I'm coming up with an idea for a, for a Narn uh, special hour, okay, because you, that song reminds me, that, that fellow, um, Norman Greenbaum, I'm remembering his name right, um, a, um, is truly a one-hit wonder. I don't think anyone can name another song that he ever did. This came up this morning because um, uh, we at uh, the dinner we were at last night. It was on a deck, uh, on a deck at a, a small, uh, at, at actually at the country club that I'm at, at our restaurant, and we had a musician who who played uh, Brandy uh, by a band called Looking Glass, and someone someone said one hit wonder, and I said no, hang on, my friend. They are not a one-hit wonder. Their second song did not make nearly the success, uh, the same success as the first one. But uh, "Jimmy Loves Marianne" was a darn fine song and so exemplary of the uh, the Jersey Shore sound of the early nineteen seven uh, of the early nineteen seventies. Um, and so, I think our our goal should be uh, best second song of a one-hit wonder band. That is going. To, don't you think that would be fun? I do. Maybe it's a little too esoteric. I don't know. Six five one two eight nine four four seven seven. I'm going to call with questions and comments here. Um, I tease this. I don't want to play it for you. And we're we're cutting away from our dissection of the Powell press conference. Okay, but I'm going to go back and 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 actually I'm going to contrast these by having having Spencer first play again. This is in answer to Nick Timoros. Who, who says basically? Why? What do you need to do to inform judgment on the, on the panel? Uh, you know, why wouldn't you raise rates now? He so he compared it in an earlier question. He compared it to like buying the membership to the gym but never going in and thinking somehow you lose weight that way. 
doesn't work. You actually have you actually have to do the work. Um, and this was the answer he gave back to what additional information do you need in order to decide whether or not to raise rates. This was again cut seven. Well, I think you're adding that to the to the data that we've seen since the last meeting too. We, you know, we since we chose to maintain rates at this meeting. It'll really be a three-month period of data that we can look at. And I think that's a full quarter, and I think you can you can draw more conclusions from that than you come from any six any six-week period. We'll look at those things. We'll also look at the evolving risk picture. We'll look at what's happening in the financial sector. We'll look at all the data, the evolving outlook, and we'll make a decision. I think the second half is him saying the quiet part out loud. I think they actually spent a lot of time. This is why I'd love to have the transcripts available sooner. I think they spent a lot of time. We'll have to suss it out of the minutes in a few weeks from now. But I think there was a lot there, and I think this is what prompted uh, Chris Waller, Governor Chris Waller, on Friday at a conference in Oslo to say what he said. I'm going to go ahead and replay both clips. Play again. Cut 14, please. While lending conditions imposed by banks have tightened since March, the changes so far are in line with what banks have been doing since the Fed began raising interest rates more than a year ago. That is, it is still not clear that recent strains in the banking sector materially intensified the tightening of lending conditions. Meaning he saw, he saw no reason to, uh, to uh, slow down rate increases because he doesn't see the financial sector as causing any of the issues. I believe, therefore, that the the desire to get a unanimous decision made some of the signaling in the press conference, uh, and particularly the FOMC statement, a little sharper toward future rate increases in order to keep Waller on board uh, with voting for the FOMC statement. But the thing that you'll hear that that probably will get him in a little bit of hot water, maybe you won't hear the hot water, but remember, Jay Powell has to go up to to Capitol Hill to give testimony next week. You know sure as heck someone's going to ask a question about this particular clip. Cut 15. The Fed's job is to use monetary policy to achieve its dual mandate. And right now that means raising rates to fight inflation. It is the job of bank leaders to deal with interest rate risk. And nearly all bank leaders have done exactly that. I do not support altering the stance of monetary policy over worries of ineffectual management at a few banks. Shots fired. Because I think that's... I think he's actually speaking not to the folks in Oslo. I think he's speaking back to the people in in D.C. He's speaking to the people in New York um, and saying saying to them, you guys messed up and we can't change monetary policy just for that purpose. I I tweeted this morning uh, uh, a piece from uh, uh, Tim Taylor, uh, the conversable economist, which is reviewing a piece written by uh, Raghuram Rajan, former governor of the Central Bank of uh, India, and then Luigi Zingales of uh, the, the Booth School at the University of Chicago, uh, talking about what, why didn't we actually impose a bit of a haircut? You could have saved $20 billion, they assert, 
Um, they could have saved twenty saved twenty billion dollars by by cutting off ten percent of the uninsured deposits at at Silicon Valley Bank. They cost they spent an extra twenty billion dollars, and in, in, in for what? For actually increasing the amount of moral hazard that has happened by bailing out banks, uninsured deposits at those banks. Um, and I, so I encourage you to read this piece. Um, it's um, it really doesn't make any sense to me that that we we didn't do that. And I think it's good that folks like Rajan and Zingales and Waller are out saying. It's not the job of monetary policy to bail out the banks. We told you what we we're going to do. You decided to bet against us. You lost. We're not going to come bail you out after you bet, bet against us. Right? Particularly, you know, this isn't mom and pop. You know, this isn't grandma's savings account we're talking about. We're talking about corporate treasuries and the finance, the cheap, the CFOs who left. $200 million in a single bank account at SVB are going to lose their jobs. And I would say, okay, yep, that's what happens when you mess up. You went, There's a consequence to that. So perhaps you should pay more attention to the place you put the, put the money. But that's in fact not, not what happened. I think this, this particular item, I think this, this particular cut... Ineffect, ineffectual management at a few banks. I predict you're going to hear that's going to come out of the mouth of some somebody at the house in the house or Senate this week, not to Waller, but instead to Jay Powell to say, "Do you agree with Governor Waller about this comment? Isn't it the case that your raises in interest rates are causing banks to fail?" and don't you think it's your job to make sure make sure that that they're kept up to date? The fact is, the finan- the Federal Reserve Act does say the stability of the financial system is the Federal Reserve's responsibility. But the financial stability of every single bank in the country is probably is not in there. So as long as they can protect from contagion, they should probably be okay. But I thought this quote, which kind of went, it was remarked on in the financial press yesterday. I think it will be out there. You can't, we actually, I had to dig that out of an eight hour Vimeo uh, of the entire conference. I had to go find that what, 55 seconds uh, of Chris Waller through, through the, through all of that. But it was it's really, really a, a, a vital point, and I think it's it's my detective work to sort of say, I think that was what was going on and what caused the statement and the action of the Federal Reserve to diverge at this meeting. We'll have more from the press conference and some of the commentary from Larry Summers and, and, and from a former Fed official as well, coming up right after this on the King Banyan Show on the Biz 1440. 
of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're looking outside of big corporate control. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something worth watching. The new Salem News Channel. Straightforward, unfiltered, in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. SNC is home to Dennis Prager, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Watch anytime on any screen, free 24-7. Find what you're looking for at snc.tv. Wesley Financial Group is not a law firm. This story is called The Ugly Truth About Timeshare. If you think you've done your family a favor by buying a timeshare, you need my help. Hello, I'm Chuck McDowell, CEO and founder of Wesley Financial Group. Ten years ago, I started helping folks cancel their timeshare. And in the process, started what's now called the timeshare cancellation industry. Timeshare is the only thing that you can buy that you can't tell me how much it's going to cost or when it's going to end. When you buy a timeshare, you give them a blank check to fill out any amount they want for annual maintenance and assessment fees. The crazy thing is, this never ends. Even when you die, your family's now going to be stuck with this burden. Stop the insanity today. Call my office now. If we take you as a client, I guarantee we'll cancel your timeshare or you'll pay nothing. Call for your free information kit. 800-626-5252. That's 800-626-5252. 800-626-5252. You know, I'm on my third vehicle from Invergrove Hyundai. Hi, I'm Gordy from Maplewood. We bought two this year in four months. And my wife came out, who's not a car person, and said, we need to buy a car with all those safety features. I do all of my service at Invergrove Hyundai. The service is excellent. The timing's excellent. And the price is competitive. They get the job done. They tell you what you need to know. Yeah, I bought a lot of cars. I'm a car guy. Matter of fact, this has been the most positive experience I've ever had. When you're thinking of service, try Invergrove Hyundai. See for yourself, and then you be the judge. I've not found anybody that's any better. They're a very real, honest dealership. Invergrove Hyundai service technicians are ready for you no matter what kind of vehicle you drive. Open 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. weekdays. Call them today or schedule your appointment at InvergroveHyundai.com. That's InvergroveHyundai.com. There are those who dedicate themselves to a sense of honor, to a life of courage, and a commitment to something greater than themselves. They have always defended this nation and each other. They still do. The few, the proud, the Marines. Welcome back, King Banyan Show. I should have done this earlier, but I want I got to give credit. Uh, my crack research team seems to have added a member. Grant steps in and uh, and says that the railroad strike that I mentioned in the last hour actually happened in November, December of 2022. And I remember that. And I, I again, I will point out uh, shortly thereafter, um, um, Marty Walsh, the labor secretary, all of a sudden finds another lucrative job someplace else and leaves and leaves the uh, leaves the administration. Which kind of surprised me because this guy went from mayor of Boston to to secretary of labor, and now has what I think it's what looks like, if I remember right, has a pretty cushy uh, private sector position. So good for him. Uh, but anyway, Grant, thank you. Uh, since uh, 
Don reports he's working under reduced resources and wasn't able to do that work. Uh, don't worry. The crack pound KBRS team on Twitter, the research staff, is always available to answer your questions and my questions. Um, so my point here is that the Fed actually says inflation's a serious problem and, and says they want to raise rates in the future but chooses not to raise rates now. If only to emphasize that point, in answer to a question from Steve Leisman, saying, okay, did the balance of risk shift to be being a little less hard on inflation or a little more? What's going on there? Um, um, uh, Chair Powell answers this. Cut eight, please. I still think, and my, my colleagues agree, that that the risks to inflation are to the upside still. So we don't we don't think we're there with inflation yet because we're just looking at the data. And if you look at the uh, um, at the full range of, of inflation data, particularly the core data, you just you just aren't seeing a lot of progress over the last year. Headline, of course, inflation has come down. So if you if you said head, so the headline inflation's come down, but if you're if you're focused on core and core hasn't come down. Why are you off the? Why are you getting off the uh, off the accelerator there? I, I you know, I, I I'm not you know to wait for more data. No, I think I think there's a difference of opinion, and and then says this. This is the part I think this is the one you mentioned, uh, uh, Spencer, to me. This is the this is the cut that we both were like. Hmm. Huh, hmm. Says has this to add to this in terms of talking about the ability of people to tell us where they think inflation's going in the next few months. Let's play cut nine. Remember, we've, um, we're two and a half years into this, or two and a quarter years into this, and forecasters, including Fed forecasters, have consistently thought that inflation was about to turn down and uh, condi- con- you know, traditional, not, you know, typically f- forecasted that it would and been wrong. So I think if you, I think if you look at, the, at core PCE inflation overall, Look at it over the last six months. You're just not seeing a lot of progress. It's running, and it's running at a level, you know, over four and a half percent, far above our our target, and not really, you know, moving down. We want to see it moving down decisively. That's all. And they uh, just they haven't, right? They just haven't seen. He's saying they haven't seen that, and yet they paused. I, I, or skipped or whatever. I'm I'm so sick of trying to trying to trying trying to do to say that. Uh, even further, cut ten. If you if you just look at, I'll just point you to the forecast. So, uh, inflation is running. Core PCE inflation is running at about four and a half, a little higher than four and a half percent. And the the median FOMC participant thinks it'll go down to three point nine on a twelve month basis. This is by the end of this year. So that's expecting pretty substantial progress. That's 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 a pretty significant decline for half a year. So that that's that that's the forecast. Um, you know, we'll we we do try to be transparent in our reaction function. That's so. That's three times in about ten minutes where he says we're not it, we're not seeing progress, not seeing it coming down. Our forecasts have not been great. Even our forecasts and everyone else's forecasts have not been great. And then and then he says. We've made some progress, but I'm just saying within 10 minutes, it feels like he's almost drifted from around different positions. The forecast is not good. Inflation hasn't come down. Our forecast says inflation has come down, but 
it's not coming down fast enough and and and, and so forth and the, and and then I'll dig one more I've got one more cut to dig out for you um, um, that is that is asked by I I think this was good who's who's this person I don't know Courtney Brown is um, oh I don't, I don't know where she's from Courtney Brown is I think is AP but I'm not positive um, she didn't identify herself on the on the call but she said uh, she asked the question I'm a little confused because you said the committee will do whatever it takes to get inflation down over time. But when I look at the SEP, inflation is projected to be elevated next year. But the Fed funds rate is lower than when it is now. Can you help, under, can you help me understand that? He adds, this, he adds this, cut 11. Is that as inflation comes down in the, in the forecast, if you don't lower interest rates, then real rates are actually going up, right? So it, just to maintain a real rate... The nominal rate at that point, two years out, let's say, should come down just to maintain real rates. And if, and actually, you know, since we we're we're probably going to we, we're 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 having real rates that are going to have to be meaningfully positive, uh, and significantly so for us to get inflation down, that probably means that that, that certainly means that that it, it will be appropriate to cut rates at such time as inflation is coming down really significantly. And again, we're talking about a couple years out. Right, couple of years out, not 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 now, right? So again, the Fed funds rate in twenty twenty four, the end of twenty twenty four, is still in the mid fours by the median forecast, and very few people see it coming down much below four percent. And you had some Fed members who still believe the rate at the end of twenty four should be five and a half or five and three quarters percent. So there's a range of forecasts there. And it just felt, as you went through the press conference, and I, I, I will say, I mentioned this before, how, how do I read, how do I watch the press conference? Again, I don't watch it live. I don't, I don't in any way, shape, or form have Twitter streams running along that. I don't even look at Twitter. Um, I, I don't even look at any of the analysis until, uh, uh, until I've watched the entire press conference myself. Usually it's the evening the Wednesday evening, I'll just watch it straight through, looking at it from YouTube, not take a stitch of notes, sleep on it, then wake up, grab the transcript, the written transcript, and with my memory and with my eyes, I pick out the cuts. Then I go back and I play it again, listen to the cuts, and then I send those on to, I send those on to uh, Spencer and and the station. To produce for us, so I've actually listened to this thing. That is actually the fourth time I've listened to those those four cuts, and I'm just telling you, I'm not sure what message you can get from that. And I do think that these these folks are a little bit a little bit confused, and why they might be confused was actually Spain. You probably didn't see this. This is on Bloomberg if you watched the TV side, but if you listen to us and listen to all the Bloomberg that's played on the Biz 1440 here, you probably wouldn't have caught this because it would have happened in the middle of the night. Um, so this was on the B- Bloomberg show, which is Daybreak in Australia. And they had uh, Charles Plosser come on to speak to the speak to the, to the uh, pres- news presenters down in Australia about this. And I thought these cuts were super... This, 
I thought this was super interesting. I'll remind people, Plosser was was president of the Philadelphia Federal Reserve. Um, is uh, has a background like Bernanke's as a uh, as a finance historian, uh, uh, finance researcher, more finance than 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 traditional macro. Uh, but he had this to say. Let's play cut 16, please. Um, I think this is a classic example of trying, the committee trying to reach a consensus on a statement, and in doing so, send a statement that was confusing, unclear, mm-hmm. and really not very informative about the Fed's view. Right. And I don't think... I don't think it was possible because the only way you can be informative of the Fed's view is if you can actually display what 19 folks are saying. Sometimes a group of 19 will come out of a meeting and you all get one voice. And if you work in business, that's the whole idea. You're supposed to you go into the meeting, you present a variety of views. Leadership says, here's what's going to happen. This is this is what the what our our business, what our firm is going to do next. And then you walk out with one voice. That's not the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve is a committee consisting of people that have independent voices and will go out and speak independently afterward. And and yet you got one person at the podium and trying to create one statement. And because they want everyone to agree to it, they they come out with something that doesn't really communicate what they're thinking. And I think Plosser's right about this. Let's continue with him. Cut 17. It would have been better, I think, had, had the committee sent a statement where they were, they either paused and had some dissents, hmm. or they raised rates by 25 basis points and had some dissents. That would have been a more informative hmm. way to undertake uh, the uncertainty and the and I so I I believe that 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 President Plosser has has nailed this. And and again, I listened to this after I had listened to the press conference. I picked out clips and then I found I found Pl- I found out Plosser. I listened to Plosser's piece and I'm like, I think that's right. I think. I, I, I think so. And then I heard the Waller cut, which is lambasting folks that are arguing that we need to be slow on raising rates because of concerns about finance, saying, hey, that's not our job. I do monetary policy. Well, no, actually, the Fed does do financial policy, but it's been made separate by by the um, by Dodd-Frank. And that is problematic. Right. Because you're now being told the Fed's being told you have to you you have someone in charge of supervision and you have to concern yourself about supervision of these banks. And the and there's people in the room like Michael Barr, who's the vice chair for supervision, who who probably is bringing that view into the room. And you guys you got Chris Waller saying, not my job. My job's to control inflation. The FOMC is about controlling inflation. And the inability to present the conflicting views, and this is where I think maybe uh, Jay Powell isn't the best speaker to, to get that kind of information out there. I think that's a problem. So I think you're going to get a lot of conflict that's going to go on this week. Um, 
I got I got to take a break here. When I come back, I've got a question on Twitter I want to answer, and I do want to play one more set of cuts because Larry Summers was on uh, was on Wall Street Week uh, yesterday, last night, Friday, and and had some interesting comments that I think sort of fits with what Plosser is saying too. We'll be back after this King Banyan Show, the Biz fourteen forty. The Biz 1440, KYCR Golden Valley. There are no words to describe it. The isolation. The boredom. The loneliness. If you're wondering where your teenage son or daughter spirit went, you're hardly alone. The past year has been devastating, especially for them. But here's the good news. They might just find it again. Playing high school sports. Workouts that stimulate teammates and coaches that care the sense of belonging so many of us have been missing lately that's what school sports are all about the sense of achievement is real and the camaraderie is hard to beat coping with uncertainty is difficult but school sports can help the teenagers in your family start feeling like themselves again encourage them to give it a try high school sports it's so much more than a game This message presented by the Minnesota State High School League and the Minnesota Interscholastic Activities Administrators Association. It takes teamwork to stay safe on Minnesota roads during the winter. You can help. When you see snowplows at work, slow down. Slower speeds can save lives. Don't crowd the plow and leave plenty of space between yourself and other vehicles. Keep your headlights on to see and be seen. Avoid distractions and always stay alert behind the wheel. This message brought to you by the Minnesota Department of Transportation, the Minnesota Broadcasters Association, and this station. Time is running out to join us in Israel this fall. Visit StandWithIsraelTour.com and sign up today. Dennis Prager and I are headed back to Israel in October with our trusted partner, Inspiration Cruises and Tours. Don't miss this incredible opportunity to stand with Israel. We'll visit amazing places in the Holy Land designed to encourage and captivate you at every turn. Visit StandWithIsraelTour.com and sign up today. In Israel, we'll explore some of the most fascinating sites from religious and political history. We'll walk the streets of Jerusalem, tracing back the steps of Jesus and his disciples, float in the dead see with all its healing and rejuvenating effects and visit the western wall a spiritual experience you will always remember fondly our expert guides will help explain the significance of each and every site and our food and accommodations are specifically designed with you in mind no other trip will be like the stand with israel tour sign up today to travel with dennis and me this october call 855-565-5519 855-565-5519 or visit standwithisraeltour.com Hard water harms your pipes, causes clothes to fade faster, and your skin to be dry. Protect yourself with a wet technology water softener from Commerce Water. Commerce will give you $400 for your old softener and haul it away. Go to Commerce.com, Commerce Water, that's Commerce.com. From Zumbrota to Zambia and Detroit Lakes to some lake in Detroit, we're where you are. Stream Twin Cities Business Radio anytime, anywhere at Odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app. Welcome back, King Banyan Show, The Biz 14, 1440. Distracted by the song? Sorry. Six five one two eight nine four four seven seven. I want to thank people for, for trying to get in today. I don't have a whole lot of time, but but I did get a question on Twitter that I thought I do feel like I should answer that. Uh, from, uh, from Mike asking, um, 
asking whether I give any credence to the idea that the June the June pause or skips just a nice gesture uh, to allow uh, the U.S. Treasury to save a couple bucks while needing to issue one trillion of debt in June. I don't think so. Um, I, I like I said I didn't pull the cut, but I did. But I did note that uh, um, Edward Lawrence from Fox Business uh, asked a question about whether the Fed was uh, expressing any concern uh, uh, about uh, about the uh, level of federal deficits, uh, which are expected to still be two point eight trillion two point eight trillion dollars in the CBO forecast for ten years from now, and. Powell did the traditional thing, says, hey, look, that's not my job. My job is to focus on monetary policy, stick to my knitting. Uh, he even uses that phrase, stick to, stick to our knitting. But, uh, but he says we are on an f- unsustainable fiscal path. Um, I don't think it's in the Fed's interest to actually make that path any easier for them. But, of course, you operate within limits if you make their lives harder. Um, if you make Congress's... Um, job harder remember the fed is a is not constitutional it is a creature of of congress uh, created by uh, by federal acts and another federal act can simply remove it so there's always a sort of a limit on on how much the the how much the uh, federal reserve can do but did they actually try to control rates to allow that that's that's not out there. There, there was conversation again. I didn't pull it because it's a little esoteric. There is conversation about the about the impact of the size of that refill of that one trillion dollars and what that does to the Fed's balance sheet and to banks' balance sheets. That's out there, but that's something that typically is managed by the system open market desk, um, little by little. Look, let me play before we go to, for today. Let me play this from Larry Summers. He was on Bloomberg uh, yesterday after. And, and and said something a little harsher than what we just heard uh, Charles Plosser say, but I think uh, I think Summers is is kind of singing from the same from the same hymnal as uh, as Plosser in saying this. Let's play cut twelve. I understand the arguments for not hiking uh, this at this meeting, but those arguments wouldn't point towards signaling two further rate increases. They wouldn't point towards significantly revising the forecasts towards a stronger economy and more inflation. I understand the arguments uh, for having gone the other way, but I don't really understand the internal consistency of an approach of pausing at this meeting, but then signaling to further uh, rate hikes down the road and signaling that they no longer expect unemployment to increase nearly as much as they used to expect it. In other words, shorter Larry Summers, I'm not down with Skip. Right? He just doesn't want to accept the idea that that skipping is uh, is is a, a plausible strategy. Um, but it's pretty clear that, that you have, again, I think you do have two different views. And I think implicitly that's what Summers is saying. There are two different views out there. And those two views disagree. And yet somehow the, the, the committee decided to come out with a single statement. Let's continue. Cut 13. 
uh, rate hikes down the road and signaling that they no longer expect unemployment to increase nearly as much as they used to expect it. So this meeting felt like it was driven as much by the internal political dynamics of the Fed as by any consistent and coherent reading of uh, the economic situation. And that was a bit disturbing uh, to me. And that's why I think Plosser was right in suggesting this, cut 17. It would have been better, I think, had, had the committee sent a statement where they were, they either paused and had some dissents, hmm. or they raised rates by 25 basis points and had some dissents. That would have been a more informative hmm. way to undertake uh, the uncertainty and the uh, okay. communication that was, that was, that was so, put so one of the things and, and why I have been in long a supporter actually have liked Ben Bernanke, not for everything he did around the financial crisis. I disagree with a lot of that. But the whole idea of bringing transparency to monetary policy is about providing market participants with the here's what we know. We're going to tell you this and here's what we think we're going to do next. If you try to take this disparate opinion in the FOMC and turn it into a single voice with unanimous with unanimous agreement among the participants, you have a much b- b- bigger problem. You're actually going backwards on that part of transparency. And I think that's a mistake. And I agree with Plosser and Summers in that. That's what happened on, on Tuesday and Wednesday of this week. And I think as a result of that, we're going to have muddier policy in, in, going forward. That's it for today. Thank you. Back next week with another episode of the King Banyan Show on The Biz 1420. C.S. Lewis once said, Education without values seems to make man a more clever devil. A Christian education is the solution to this problem and can be yours for half price for your child's first year. TwinCitiesTuitions.com and area schools are working together to make this a reality for families just like yours. Now you can equip your child with the knowledge and moral foundation needed for them to make an impact in today's world. To see the full list of participating half-off tuition institutions, go to TwinCitiesTuitions.com. That's TwinCitiesTuitions.com. Did you know women control the majority of the wealth in this country? But when it comes to financial education, we are told what to do by those who manage our money. They talk over our heads, encourage us to trust them because they know what's best for us. Well, it's time for us to stand up for ourselves. Imagine knowing what to do with your own money. My parents taught me a lot about life, trust, and human kindness, but unfortunately, very little about money. Right now, there are endless opportunities with the markets. By knowing what to do, you can learn how to protect the money you have worked so hard for and create a secondary income strategy. I have found just the place, Online Trading Academy, a trusted company that offers you an opportunity to learn how to have financial independence. Join us for a free two-hour beginner's class. Text investing to 210210. Let's start the new year out right. Text investing to 210210. Remember, this is nothing new. It's just a little bit different. Hi, this is Tim Oberg from the Kingdom Builders. You know, every Minnesota summer brings with it many unpredictable weather events, especially hailstorms. Because a metal roof can be double the cost or more of an asphalt shingle roof, we can offer you a better option at a fraction of the cost. 
Class 4 rated shingles are tested to a standard that simulates impact from 2-inch hailstones. They can withstand this because they have a different polymer-modified asphalt base, which is simply designed to be more hail-resistant. And it's not that much more expensive. Since it only involves a different shingle and ridge cap, all the other roof components are the same as normal. Many insurance companies also will give you a discount on your premiums with a Class 4 roof. If you already have a roof damage claim, we can show you how little it costs to upgrade your claim to a Class 4 shingle for your new roof. Ask us about it when we stop by. Just call 612-900-9166. That's 612-900-9166. Or go to thekingdombuilders.com. We'll be happy to show you your best options. Here you it here. It is critical. We keep AM radio in all cars and all trucks. More than 80 million Americans depend on AM radio for news, weather, and opinion. AM is also the backbone of the emergency alert system, keeping you advised of threatening weather conditions and amber alerts. Text AM to the number 52886. Tell Congress that we need AM radio in our cars. Again, text AM to the number 52886. Standard message. Your exclusive Twin Cities. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.